turn over to Matthew chapter 13 tonight, and I'm going to look at this one of these parables, short parables, two verses long uh, this evening. My wife said to mention that uh, the, uh, tomorrow Friday evening they'll have a concession stand, so if you want them to come and purchase things at the concession stand, you're welcome to do that. Uh, that's on that Friday evening uh, night with the seniors. All right, Matthew chapter 13 tonight. I want to look at the pearl of great price tonight, Matthew chapter 13. And so if, um, we're going to look down at verse number 45 and 46 as the actual uh, parable itself. And so let's go ahead and read these two verses together, and then we'll uh, pray and look at this thought. The Bible says in verse number 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so tonight I want to look at that together. Let's pray. Father, Father in heaven, I want to say thank you again for letting us be in church. Would you please again open up the scriptures to our heart and mind. Lord, I ask you to please work in our hearts tonight. Lord, may we not just be here. Father, would you help us to be here spiritually? May we be in touch with you. And Lord, again, we ask tonight you'd help us. Lord, I know there's probably some here tonight, their mind somewhere else. Would you draw them back to you tonight? And uh, Father, thank you that you care about us and you want us to get from you what uh, you have for us. And would you do that tonight? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just for me, this parable of great price, before I jump into the parable, I just want to quickly say this. There's a lot of different thoughts on the pearl of great price. And so you might have heard other messages or you maybe have read different books about various things. And uh, I, uh, semi-dogmatic, but the same token, uh, I think it can mean a couple different things. You know, the thing about parables is this, is parables, uh, you've heard the statement that it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, you've also got the idea that a parable is basically using an earthly story to be able to teach a spiritual truth. In this particular passage, the pearl of great price could be Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. I do not believe that it's Jesus Christ. The reason for that is because the church, the merchant man is seeking for the pearl um, and he finds this pearl of great price and then he, then he bought it. Church, I want to tell you that to me the big, bigger picture is, is that Christ bought us and that Christ was seeking for us. And so we're going to look at that tonight kind of along that way. And again, I, I know you might have heard it different ways, but I, I'll explain uh, tonight if I can in just a few moments. But I want you to get the context of it before we get too far. Go back to the very first part of the chapter in chapter 13, verse number 1. I want you to notice there's two groups of people that Jesus is speaking to here. In Matthew chapter 13, verse number 1, it says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great what? were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. The church family is very interesting that uh, Jesus begins to talk to the multitudes and he speaks parables to them. There are seven parables mentioned in Matthew chapter number 13. We're just going to look at one of them, that two verse uh, parable. But in verses one through three, it talks about how Jesus was on the seashore. But if you'll jump down in your Bible to look at verse number 36, I believe it is in verse number 36. The Bible says in the same chapter, it says, then Jesus sent the multitude away. So verses 1 through 35, Jesus is talking to this large group of people, this multitude. He's on the seashore when he's talking to them. And then in verse 36, it changes. It says, then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parables of the terrors in the field. Now he's going to explain that parable in verse number 37, I think down to verse number 43. Then in verse number 44, He's going to talk about a different parable. He uses the, the first phrase, again, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse number 45, the same phrase, again, the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse number 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like. All right, now we're going to look at verse number 45 and 46, but let's start off by saying this tonight. Who is Jesus specifically speaking to in verse 45 and verse 46? Who's he speaking to? You can talk. Or he's talking to the disciples. Now, to me, that changes things because if he's talking to the multitudes, he's probably talking to lost people. 
Not that there can't be saved people that are there, but we know for sure that Jesus is talking to saved people here because Jesus is talking to the disciples. When he brings to fact this idea of the kingdom of heaven, he's using several parables, earthly stories, things that they can relate to. By the way, the parable of the pearl of great price, people could relate going down to the Red Sea or going down, uh, there's two or three other areas of bodies of water where they'd be looking for those pearls because those pearls would be worth a lot of money. Jesus is using this type of story and they're intrigued by it, all right? Now, follow me. He's talking to the disciples, which means he's talking to saved people. In this passage, he's also refer, using these parables to talk about the kingdom of heaven. Now, church family, again, you've been saved a long time, and all of us might have different thoughts about what this idea of the kingdom of heaven is. I think the picture here, especially because he's talking about the pearl of great price, which to me is a picture of Jesus Christ looking for us. He pays the price, and you got saved, amen? Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? Okay, so because of that, the kingdom of heaven would be referenced to Christendom. If we would, we would say both saved and like church age, we could name it several different things. But the era that we're living in right now would be considered the kingdom of heaven that we're trying. Now, when I say kingdom of heaven, trying to win people to Jesus Christ, realizing the Lord's going to come back and going to set his kingdom up here. All right. I hope again, I'm not trying to confuse you tonight, but Jesus is specifically talking about people who get saved in this lifetime. So when he says the kingdom of heaven, the people, and again, you might say, well, pastor, the kingdom of heaven are those who get saved in this lifetime and they go to heaven. It won't matter either way. The parable is in reference to now as far as what we're doing for Christ's kingdom. Are you with me so far? All right. Now, with that said, in verse number 45, let's look, and look at it one more time. In verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man um, seeking uh, good pearl, goodly pearls. In verse number 46, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought. But just remember, I want to talk about the three things that are mentioned in verse 45 and 40, verse 46 tonight. All right. Now, if you write things down uh, or put them in your Bible, there are the three thoughts here is the person, the pearl and the price. Real simple. This parable is really simple. He's talking to the disciples, the person, the pearl, and the price. We're going to look at all three of these tonight. The first thing that we have here that's mentioned is about the merchant man. Now, church, I, mean, I believe that the merchant man is referring to Jesus Christ, and there's several reasons why I believe that. In verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Now, church family, how many times have you heard me make the statement, I'm going to use scripture to back it up here in just a second. How many times have you heard me say that you didn't find Christ, Christ found you? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Who's doing the drawing? Jesus Christ is doing the drawing. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. How about the verse you already know by heart, Luke 19, 10? What, is he, what did Jesus say? He said, for the Son of Man is come. Why? All right, so Jesus Christ is the one that's seeking us. What's the, what is the sin unto death? It's when the Holy Spirit draws a person. If I be lifted up, draw all men unto me. When the Holy Spirit draws a person for salvation and they reject the Holy Spirit's wooing or calling for them to be saved. That's what we call the sin unto death or the unpardonable sin. Why? Because Christ is doing the seeking. Now, when the merchant man is seeking, not only do I believe it's Jesus Christ because he's doing the seeking, but the merchant man is the one that paid the price. Now, follow me for just a moment tonight. Jesus Christ is the one that is seeking the lost. It's interesting, and the Bible tells us this in Luke 5, verse number 32. It says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Who is doing the calling? Christ is doing the calling. I don't know if you were in a church service or you were at your door or where you're at when you got saved, but somehow, some way, you mentally understood that you were a sinner needing a Savior. That was the Holy Spirit prompting you. 
We can't hear the Holy Spirit audibly. We can't see the Holy Spirit bodily. But the Holy Spirit still calls people to Jesus Christ today. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is the one that is pointing people to Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We go and tell, but it's the Holy Spirit who calls. All right? Now, again, follow me for just a little bit here. It's interesting. The merchant man was seeking. Uh, uh, Going back to this idea that we didn't find Christ... It's interesting, Romans 3.11 says this, There is none that understandeth, listen to this, There is none that seeketh after God. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people who think they're seeking God because they've got a form of worship, but that's not really seeking God if you're lost. I'm just telling you, the only way that you seek God is when God finds you first. And God is the one, Jesus is the one that died. Holy Spirit's the one that, again, prompts us about Christ. And then we find Christ. Just remember, remember in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53 Six, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Just mean, what is the picture of Christ doing for us? He's a picture of a shepherd, the good shepherd, the sheep, chief, chief shepherd, the great shepherd. The shepherd is taking care of the sheep. And what does he say? Remember he tells the parable again in Luke chapter 15? He talks about the lost sheep. Here's what he said. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Now, church, I know this is elementary, but you ought to rejoice tonight that Christ sought you. Because I want to tell you something. There's a bunch of people who are lost today. And I want to tell you something. I know Christ seeks everybody. And I know that the Bible says that there are, that, there are, that uh, all are without excuse in Romans chapter number two. And somehow, some way, God, again, prompts a person of their need for salvation. We understand from the book of Romans chapter one and two that sometimes he does it through creation. We understand that sometimes God prompts a person through their conscience. And we also know that God prompts a person through the church by those he sends, which is us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. By the way, that's why we're supposed to be going, by the way. All right. Now, follow me tonight. Christ sought you. That's how you got saved. And that's, by the way, he is seeking for goodly pearls. He's looking for people. And by the way, I know that you cannot take every part of a parable and try to add some spiritual meaning to it. Because when Jesus gave the parables, it was a picture, a full picture. It doesn't mean that everything in the picture has to mean something. That's where people go doctrinally wrong sometimes. But the picture here is that Jesus is searching and he finds this pearl. So again, Christ, like looking for the sheep as the shepherd, he's the one that draws all people unto him. Jesus is the one that is seeking out. Now, church family, we need to tell people about Jesus Christ because he wants everybody to be saved. And he's the one that does the prompting, but we're the one that does the telling. And so again, Jesus here is the merchant man seeking and the person that's mentioned in this particular parable. So Jesus continues his story with the, with the disciples, the, these that are what we would call saved or believers. And he mentions in verse 45 about the merchant man seeking a good, goodly perils. Look at verse 46. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I want to talk about the pearl next for just a moment. First of all, we have the person, the merchant man. Then we have the pearl. All right. Now, I want you to notice he said when he found one. Now, church family, you don't have to go very far in the New Testament to find Jesus finding one. Zacchaeus, come down. Salvation's come to your house today. Amen. Remember the Pharisees as they brought that one to Jesus. We caught this woman and she was in adultery. She says, you without sin cast the first stone. Where's your accusers? Remember what Jesus was talking to the woman? He says, neither do I continue to go and sin no more. Jesus was concerned about the one. 
You remember about the person, the one that was at the pool of Bethesda. He could never get himself to get himself into the pool when the stirring of the water took place. And when, he came to, and when Jesus came to him, what did the man say? No man careth for my soul. Jesus cared for his soul. I'm just trying to tell you that whether it's the woman at the well or whether it's the eunuch that God sent Philip to in the desert, God cares about the one. We think about the world being so vast and so broad and the billions of people that are there and how are we going to win them all? Can I just tell you God cares about every one of them? Cares about every one of them. He cares about you. He cares about our children. Your children don't get saved because you lead them to Christ. Your children get saved because of the Holy Spirit that draws them. There's a Holy Spirit that shows them that they're a sinner. I've had parents before wonder, well, Pastor, my kid made a profession of faith when they were four and five, and I'm just concerned whether it took or not. Church family, can I just tell you that God's more concerned about your child than you are? Can I remind you tonight that if your child makes a profession of faith at four and five and they didn't understand, can I tell you that there's still a God in heaven that's still going to draw them and give them another opportunity to be saved because God wants all men to be saved. Now, again, it's a choice. Our kids have to make that choice. Those that are raised in church, our kids have to make that church choice, just like every kid that's raised in a lost home out there and maybe all, all in the wickedness, what we call of the world. Every person has to make a choice whether to believe on Jesus Christ or not. He's, Jesus is the one that's doing the seeking. He's the merchant man, but he's looking for that pearl. In verse 46, the Bible calls it a pearl of great price. But church, I think that the pearl of great price is definitely the church because the church is made up of those who are saved. Now, we would say those who are saved and baptized is what makes up the church. But church, I mean, the body of the church are, are believers, those who've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So when the merchant was looking for goodly pearls, he was looking for lost people to get saved. When he makes the next statement, he talks about the pearl of great price. I believe that he's talking about the church that Christ says he is the head of. We understand that God talks about that church. Church, I mean, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm going to turn to it. I was going to read these verses to you. But turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 real quickly. We're coming right back to the, the parable. But Ephesians chapter number 5. Church, I mean, we turn to this passage when we're talking about marriage, but this passage is really talking about the church. In Ephesians chapter number 5, we always pick it up in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Verse 23, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife. But church, I mean, the key here is really not the husband and wife relationship. The, the key here is the church. Look down to verse number 32. This is a great mystery. What's the mystery? The husband wife relationship? No. The mystery is the church and the groom, which is Jesus Christ. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the what? So church, let me jump back to verse 22. Let's, go, let's look at the Christ and the church again. So instead of saying wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands, let's say church submit yourself to the Lord. As unto the Lord. Verse number 23, the husband is the head of the wife. Let's change that to Christ. Because in verse number 32, he says, I show you a great mystery. It's Christ and the church. When we talk about the husband-wife relationship, we're talking about the church and Christ relationship. In verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. For Jesus is the head of the church. Are you all with me tonight? This isn't too deep, is it? All right. This is, this is, again, what Jesus is trying to say here. He's using the illustration of the husband-wife relationship. Therefore, verse 24, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Christ obviously showed his love to the church. Even as Christ also loved the church and what? Gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Church, what's the it? It's the church. He says that, so Christ died and he loved us at church that he might sanctify and cleanse the church, it, with the washing of the water by the, 
Church, I mean, why'd you bring your Bible tonight? Is it just because that's what you do on a church night? Can I just tell you that the reason you brought your Bible tonight is because that's what the church is washed with. Yeah, you brought your own soap to the shower. That's what you're doing, is when we look in the scriptures, the scripture is what cleanses us in our mind and our heart and causes us to live differently. It's because the washing of the water of the word. That's what he's talking about here. Look at your Bible again in verse number 27. That he, that's Jesus, might present it, the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, church, I know that we're living in a day that everyone says, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're saved. Church, I mean, you don't want to be one of those Christians that is saved so as by fire. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to hell. I'm saved so as by fire. I'm supposed to be this kind of church, the pearl of great price. The, th- the, one, the, the pearl that's worth something. How is it worth summing, something? I'll tell you how it's worth summing, something. Excuse me, verse 27. The last phrase, that it should be holy and without blemish. Verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Verse 29. For no man yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. That's what Jesus does for the church, even as the Lord the church. Verse 30. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you be in particular, so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let the wife, let the church reverence Jesus Christ. Now church family, follow me for just a moment here. Here you have a merchant man. All right, now I know I, don't, I, I couldn't go find a pearl tonight, so we're going to pretend, all right? So Jesus Christ gives this illustration. He says there's a, a merchant man, and he's looking for goodly pearls. He wants a, they're well-rounded, they're, they're white, they're pure. He's looking for that kind of, uh, that kind of pearl. By the way, uh, God wants, a, a lost person can't be a goodly pearl until they get saved. And so Christ is looking for pearls. This church is a pearl house. And so when he says he's looking for a pearl of great price, he's looking for a church of great price. He's looking for Christians that are part of a church that are are, are without spot and that are without wrinkle and that are clean and that are holy by the washing of the water of the word, that are living their life according to the word of God, not according to some church uh, tradition, but according to what the Bible says. So he's looking for that church that, again, is a pearl of great price. Goodly pearls are pearls that are saved. They're Christians, they're people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want to tell you something. It's a shame, but it's probably true. Even tonight on this Wednesday night crowd, there's probably somebody in here who's not saved, and you've been in church in here a long time. Just, I want to tell you something. If Judas could be one of the 12 disciples, then you can go to church all of your life and still die and go to hell. This thing that you think you're saved because you've heard the gospel and you can say it backwards and forwards, do you think you're saved because you've told lost people how to be saved? You think you're saved because everybody else in your family is saved. You are not saved unless you personally saw yourself as a sinner and asked Jesus Christ to save you. You're not saved any otherwise. So Christ is looking for a church just like the husband-wife relationship that Christ is the groom and the, and the, the church is the, is the bride or the wife. And he said, I'm looking for a chaste, a clean, a proper wife. He says, that's what I'm looking for. And that pearl of great price is the church that Christ has set aside to himself. Church family, Heritage Baptist Church is not here because of Bill Eggerdahl or because of Greg Davis or because of Scott Hanks. And it's really not even here because of you. It's because there's a God in heaven that's the head of the church that God has brought this nucleus of people called an assembly, an ecclesia, that called out assembly that has brought you to this place to be a part of this, if I can say, as Christ said, a pearl of great price. 
Church, I want to tell you something. The, the, when you look at the parables, sometimes this parable does not make sense because we look at ourselves as not a pearl and we don't look at ourselves as a pearl of great price. But the problem we have is Jesus is the one that's telling the parable. And Jesus is the one that's telling it to the disciples. Church, I mean, do you understand when you see yourself, you see yourself as some spotted old rock. But when God sees you, he sees you as a pearl of great price because he loves you. And you are special to him and you mean much to him. We live our lives sometimes in, if we confused and, if I can say, disturbed or discouraged because of what people think about us. And we get bothered by the judgmentalness of God's people sometimes and the pharisaical attitude of others. May I remind you tonight that you're saved tonight because God loved you and he sought you out. And to him, you're a pearl of great price. I want you to notice that we see, first of all, the person, the merchant man, was Jesus Christ. We see, second of all, the pearl. It was a pearl of great price. I want you to see, last of all, the price. It's interesting in verse number 46, the Bible says this, who when he, the merchant man, Jesus, had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, church, you may think for a second here. <laughs> sold all that you have? Church, I mean, do you know what you really have in this life? You say, well, pastor, I've got a house. No, I said, do you really know what you have in this life? You say, well, pastor, I've got a car. You say, pastor, I've, I've, got a, I've got a retirement or I've got a bank account. I've got a savings, a checking. I've got things. Church, I mean, do you really know? Can, can, let's, let's be honest with each other. If you stop breathing, you have nothing. When we talk about the ultimate price a person pays, well, oftentimes we refer to the military that they, they've paid the ultimate price when they gave their lives to be able to protect our country. Do you understand the ultimate price Christ gave? You know, we look at the story of the New Testament and the Gospels and we think to ourselves, the high priest, man, how mean were they? And, but you know what I think about? How, how naive they, were they to think they were in charge? To think they were the one that were putting Christ on the cross. To think they were the one that was manipulating the crowd. To think that they were the one that caused Pilate to say, okay, I wash my hands of this. How naive can they be? Jesus Christ could have called 10,000 angels. Jesus gave his life. He paid the ultimate price, the cost for our sin and for the salvation of mankind. That's what Jesus did. Jesus gave all the riches of heaven up. In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 9, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that she through his poverty might be rich. Jesus gave himself to redeem us, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Galatians 1, 4, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. We often quote Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Amen. Do you understand tonight, there was an ultimate price paid by a merchant man named Jesus Christ because he saw a pearl when the rest of us see dirt and worms. You know, Jesus' story about the woman that had really messed up with her life and she was there washing Jesus' feet with her hair and the rest of the crowd was looking at her and thinking to themselves, well, Jesus would have known what kind of woman this really was. You know, it's really a shame that that picture is portrayed again and again and oftentimes in church. Because from this side of the pulpit, looking out to the pew, I see people who went into sin before they got saved or 
came out of sin and how the Lord transformed their life. And they'll sit in a service and they'll be so attentive to what's being spoken. And sometimes even be heartbroken to think about their past. But thankful sometimes with maybe even tears of joy because of God's forgiveness and what he's done for them. And then there's others. You've never been immoral. You've never drank one alcoholic beverage. You've never smoked a cigarette. But yet you sit there and sometimes you forget you are just as bad as everybody else. Why? For all have sinned. And the result is the same. It's the lake of fire. Church, maybe Jesus Christ was looking for a pearl of great price and he saw you because he found one. And on that day, wherever you were at, you realized you were a sinner and you asked Jesus Christ to be your savior. And the Lord says, that's my pearl of great price. I've given the ultimate price for that. God wants to use you. And you know what? You are worth something to him. And if everybody else thinks you're not worth much, it doesn't matter because God said you are worth that pearl of great price. That's why he saved you. It's important for us to make sure that we tell other people about Jesus Christ. Church family, I have not been, uh, this year was the first year that we did not uh, have soul winning training. And, we, and, I, and I didn't put it on the schedule this year as far as our soul winning training. Lord permit me, I want to preach on this for the next few, few Wednesday nights uh, in the month of March to remind us how important it is for us to tell people about Jesus. Church family, it's not if you showed up for a Tuesday visitation or a Saturday soul winning. It, the truth of the matter is, are you soul conscious? Are you thinking about the lost that are around you? When you see that person in the store, does the thought ever come to your mind, I wonder if that person's saved or lost? When you see people, do you ever think to yourself, if that person doesn't accept Christ, he will be in hell forever? Listen, I think our church, I think over the years, we've done enough of, you know, what do you say when you get to a door? Hello, my name's Scott. This is John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. You get a chance to go to church anywhere. More important than going to church, knowing for sure you're going to heaven. Do you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven? I think we've gone over those. I think we figured out that when you're going from one door to the next door, you shouldn't walk through the grass, you should walk on the sidewalk. I think we've talked about the practical things that when you're at a door, you don't just say whatever you want because that doorbell might be watching you. But I want to tell you something. More important than knowing exactly what to say is saying something. Pearl of great price. You know, I'm thankful that the Lord saved me and I'm thankful the Lord put us in a church. But God is not collecting pearls just to leave in a church. God wants to tell as many people as we can so there'll be more pearls. And a person's not going to be a pearl because of what they do. A person becomes a pearl because of who they have within them. Our worth is not in our works. Our worth is in our salvation, which is in Christ. Because when God the Father sees you, he really sees Jesus. Pearl of great price. Lord, help us to be that soul winner that tells others about Jesus Christ because that's the pearl Christ looking for. He's looking for lost people to be saved. Help me to be like Jesus Christ, that merchant man, looking for goodly pearls, looking for people to be saved. Church, man, I hope that you'll start by tonight asking the Lord to help you to be a better soul winner, a better witness, and that he would do two things for you. Number one, that he would give you utterance, which is opportunity, and that number two, he'd give you boldness, and that's the words to say. Hey, I want to tell you something. When you start asking the Lord for utterance and boldness, it takes it all off you. I don't have to look for an opportunity. He gives me an opportunity. I don't have to figure out what to say. He tells me what to say. That's you. But there's a bunch of people outside these doors. That's not them. What makes this you? Because in the eyes of God, 
you're his child and you're a pearl to him. We need to make sure we tell other people about Christ so they can become a pearl as well. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?